I can't come to the phone now, so leave a brief message. I can keep doing Uber. I know I don't have any experience, but there's got to be a way I can get a tech job. I can't keep doing this every day. What's the word, John? Hit me back. Yo, John, what's up, man? Hey, how am I supposed to get experience when you need the job to get experience? Make it make sense, bro. You don't have enough experience to get a new tech job. You know that most of these tech jobs are looking for people with experience. And thousands of people with actual experience are fighting for the same employment opportunities as you. Knowing all of that, why bother even applying? Well, believe it or not, you can change the narrative when it comes to your experience. Keep listening as Ebony and I talk about some action steps you can take that will signal to employers that you do have enough experience for the job. All right. Hey, my name is John Davey, and I've been in the IT industry for over 12 years as an instructor, a webmaster, sales consultant, and IT manager. I have a passion for bringing tech industry education and insights to an audience hungry for career growth. My name is Ebony Nyenya. I've been in the IT industry for seven years as a mobile developer, IT instructor, incident responder, cybersecurity manager, and creator of cybersecurity resources for women.com. I really enjoy helping people get into the IT field and figure out how to get exactly what they want out of it. Good afternoon, Ebony, or bonsoir. <laughs> bonsoir. Bonsoir. <laughs> yeah, my French. I've been so lacking uh, in terms of uh, logging into my, my daily routine and, and doing my French lessons, but I'm going to get back on it. I promise. Hey, hey, I just, as long as I can hear a little bit of French every day, that makes me happy. It's a beautiful language to me. <laughs> it definitely flows right. It definitely sounds good on the ear. Uh, in terms of, you know, this topic, how how to get a tech job without experience, right? That's that's one of the main questions I get from learners, from people, you know, just trying to size up and get into the industry. How do I get in and do something technical and get paid for it when I've never done it before? Right. It's, a, it's a valid question. Wouldn't you agree? Definitely. I think that's every person's thought when they're thinking of entering the tech industry or just finishing up a boot camp or some type of program like that. Definitely. It's how am I going to get this job when it's entry level and I have no experience? <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So when I start thinking about how to respond to a question like that, I start thinking, well, jobs and getting jobs is all about standing out and standing out. The expectation nowadays is through a digital medium, namely LinkedIn. And with LinkedIn, it's your opportunity to kind of create that narrative or put a spotlight to your narrative and, and, and start the process. And, and LinkedIn to me is something I, I really stress for a lot of people to, to work on, but not just because it's the, the thing to do, or it's the, the, the dedicated social media for professionalism, but it's because it's a repository. It's a centralized location where you can start to become familiar and intimate with your own personal story. And you can start to speak more from the heart when you're dealing with recruiters and people on the phone and, 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 and describing yourself in that 30 second, 60 second elevator pitch. Right. Right. And to be honest, John, I, my LinkedIn game has never been that strong <laughs> for whatever reason. I just don't know why that's been a weakness of mine. 
but I've seen plenty of people who just, they know how to work LinkedIn and LinkedIn is, is really strong in that it helps people have direct access to people who have direct, direct decision-making in the hiring process. So you could reach out directly to a hiring manager. You could reach out directly to someone who could end up being your direct manager and you could just say, Hey, I'm not even saying, Hey, can you give me a job or, you know, Hey, I'm looking for a job, but Hey, I'm interested in knowing about this company or knowing about your role. Could we do an informational interview? And you just tell me a little bit about it. It's really just establishing relationships. It's meeting people who you may not have ever had the chance to meet in any other venue, meeting them, establishing a direct connection immediately and, you know, getting a relationship going that could lead to a job in probably just a few weeks to a month. Exactly. And when it comes to meeting people on LinkedIn, you know, one of the uh, techniques I've uncovered is, you know, of course you have your contacts and, and the people that you've connected with in meetups or at the job or in other scenarios, but they know people and that's where LinkedIn really shines. And that's where the, the job search, the, can I speak with someone, the, the interviews, you know, that's where LinkedIn becomes that catalyst. So, you know, I know you and I'm looking up an IT manager role in Delta and you know someone that works at Delta and I reach out to you and I say, hey, you know, is that like a is someone you know, no, is that like a warm connection you can hook me up with? And it just goes from there. Uh, the power of the cosign, I, I cannot emphasize enough. When someone says that person is good for me, people drop their guard down. Well, it must be good for me too. Oh, definitely. I, I love that phrase, the power of the cosign. <laughs> That's yes. for sure. When someone puts... If they put their stamp of approval on, then you're you're one step closer. You're one step closer than you're putting that door. Yeah, yeah. And and then the other part of LinkedIn, uh, when it comes to like, you know, filling out and, you know, you always see those websites, what to fill out and, and this, that, and the third, that about me, that professional mm-hmm. summary section, mm-hmm. I think it's another great one because uh, recruiters and, and hiring managers and, and people that are evaluating whether or not you are someone that might be a good fit for the team, they start to skim and they may, they may slow down and start to read everything. But one thing that they will absolutely read is that about me section. And that's where you tell your story, your professional story, your values, uh, you know, what type of teams you tend to work for, uh, whether or not you provide, you know, X, Y, and Z services or, you know, other aspects to your, your professional personality that may not be apparent in the rest of the webpage. I think that's a good point. And again, I'm not an expert on it, but I've seen it work for other people, for the people who it's worked for. One thing I've heard is, I'm I'm glad you mentioned the about me. So the about me, and then also in your uh, actual role descriptions is using keywords, using keywords that recruiters or hiring managers would be searching for. And so you because when I was uh, when I moved on from mobile development, I still kept getting like the only people who or like the majority of people who would reach out to me would be people for mobile development jobs, recruiters for mobile development jobs, because I tailored my profile, you know, and, and had all these endorsements mm-hmm. um, for mobile development. So it really works. I mean, it. I, I didn't reach out to these people. They just they find you in their searches. So if you can, um, you know, we you and I have talked about SEO before. I guess you can SEO everything. You know, search engine optimize everything. Search engine optimize your LinkedIn profile for other people on LinkedIn. 
it wasn't until we had that conversation before I came to the same conclusion. I, there's an SEO for every aspect of, of yeah. digital marketing. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah. so yeah, you can use it for LinkedIn. I agree. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, one thing, uh, as I mentioned that uh, quote power of the cosine, one thing I realized is also the recommendation section. So, you know, there's that section where someone can chime in and say, uh, you know, Ebony is a great instructor. Uh, she really took time to make sure that these heavy concepts were palatable and able to be broken down uh, in bite-sized chunks and, and put their name out there on that for the world to see. And that cosine starts to come back up again. That's definitely, yeah. And doing that, I know a lot of people are thinking, okay, well, how do I get recommendations? Just asking, straight up asking people for them. And also when you ask, uh, offering to be reciprocal about it. That's how I've seen it work for other people is, you know, you look at their profiles and you see a recommendation and then you go to that third profile of the person, one of the recommenders, and then you see that other person wrote a recommendation for them. It usually works out if someone realizes they can get something in return, they're more than happy to write a recommendation for you. Absolutely. Absolutely. And that's, I've seen that pattern too. And, you know, maybe a recruiter or a hiring manager may take the time to look at that. Maybe they don't care. Maybe they just look at that as, you know, an A plus for playing the game correctly. So mm -hmm. I don't think there's too much harm in, in pursuing that. And again, even if it's, you know, I do this for that, you wouldn't do that for everyone, right? There's some people mm -hmm. who would, you know, if they were to ask me for a recommendation, you know, that, that would not be a go. So, right. Yeah. Yeah. I definitely think what I'm getting some getting as takeaways so far here for LinkedIn, uh, at least on the profile part is, you know, make use of keywords, get those recommendations. And again, endorsements, I feel really helped my profile really helped it as far as when I was really focusing on mobile development, getting a lot of endorsements from people who endorsed me for different mobile development uh, keywords really helped out. Endorsement keywords. I think that's something I'm going to start to, um, I focus on a little bit just for my own mm -hmm. personal profile as well. So LinkedIn, so that's the first part of the answer. Again, how to get a, a tech job with no experience. And one of the things that comes to the surface of my mind is LinkedIn and just that, that digital presence. The other thing I think about is, well, you know, if you don't have experience, at the very least, you can have education. And and we have, you know, there's always a, a debate, you know, degree versus certification and in those pathways, but speaking near and dear to, you know, what I do, leaning more towards certifications, uh, certain roles, IT, networking, cybersecurity, cloud, the certifications can really help level the playing field. It doesn't substitute fully for experience, obviously, but it's a testament to your ability to kind of grind through. And uh, it's almost like, well, you can't get a certification unless you really like are somewhat about IT or tech or, or security. Right. And I, I definitely agree about certifications. And what's funny with them is that it depends on the company as far as if they care, if they value certifications, some hiring managers or just manager in general are okay with hiring people without certifications. Um, other people really value them. But then when you come to people who value them, people value different certifications and there's so many of them. So it's, I feel like that's one of the most common questions when it comes to certifications is which one should I get? You know, should I go CompTIA? Should I go Cisco? Should I go 
just name, there's a bunch of them out there. You know, should you get specific cloud cert ones? Should you do Amazon? I mean, it just, it starts getting confusing. You know, should you just go for 20 different certifications? Uh, but I, I think it doesn't hurt. I think if it does give you a bit of an edge, uh, because even though if you don't have the hands-on experience, what the research and the study that you had to do in order to pass that certification shows that you now have that knowledge in your head. And so when some of those questions come up in an interview, you hopefully should be able to speak to them and impress, you know, a hiring manager um, or recruiter, because in the course of studying, you now know that you may not have been able to do it hands on, but you at least have the knowledge. So once you get into the role, it's not completely foreign to you. So I think they, my vote, my vote for for certifications is yes. (laughs) I've seen people do well without having any of them, but I personally prefer them and I would prefer to hire people that have them because I just think they, like you said, they show dedication. Uh, they show an ability to be self-sufficient when it comes to studying. Um, and it, it shows a discipline and knowledge. It proves it literally proves your knowledge on a topic. For me, as a hiring manager, for me, I would look at it also as just, hey, at a very minimum, I know that this person has X, uh, a certain baseline of knowledge. And to play uh, back to your point, Yes, I might introduce them to some new technology or some new form of uh, a new firewall technology or or setting up some sort of a wireless access point uh, scheme on the floor, but they understand the underlying terms and technology. They understand like concepts and what's going on. They just got to get used to this configuration page or this manual. So that's, you know, when you get to that point of understanding, then that's just a matter of just reading through the manual. Exactly. I couldn't agree more. And so because I'm in favor of those certifications, I really do believe, again, everyone has their, as many people as you would ask about which certification to get, you get that many different answers on which ones you should get. So, you know, take it with a grain of salt. It's just my opinion. But I really do think CompTIA, beginning certifications, A+, Net+, plus, you get that trio, you've got a great groundwork and they're not too cost prohibitive. Their certifications can get very expensive, especially the higher up you go in those uh, like stand certifications. Those can cost thousands of dollars. You want to, want to get your employer to pay for those once you get a chance. Exactly. But uh, they're not too cost prohibitive as far as people being able entry level to take them. And they again, they do prove that you took the time to get that knowledge in your head. And so you're not going to come in and just start breaking things. Exactly. And, and it alleviates uh, the concern of a potential employer of just that, of, of coming in and breaking things and, and just causing bedlam. Final <laughs> thing about certifications. Yeah, that, that A plus, net plus, uh, security plus trifecta, you know, it, it's, it's just a great baseline. Again, disclaimer, you know, I teach this stuff. So, you know, I'm going to lean towards it. Uh, but it's not always, you know, the one thing about certifications, it's not a, it's not a solution for everyone because this is more on the IT side or on, mm-hmm. you know, software development, mobile app development, and even now blockchain engineering. Yes, right. there's certifications. Yes, there's a, a, a couple of uh, respected Java certifications, I believe out there. Uh, but, you know, my perspective, from my perspective, when I look at coding and software development, that's a show me what you got industry. You right. Know? Exactly. No, that that makes sense. Yeah, I I was thinking in terms of one area. Yeah, you're exactly right. That's something to consider when you're thinking about certifications is, well, what area of IT am I going into? Like you said, if you're going to be a coder, if you're going to be some type of software developer, they really just want to see, do you have 
the skills to be able to build an app? Uh, do you have good coding practices? Do you also hopefully try to implement um, security into the code that you're writing? And a certification doesn't really help prove that all that much. So I think there are a couple of coding cert- certifications out there. I can't remember the names of them, but I've seen them before. Uh, but yeah, that's another thing to look into is whichever area of IT I'm going into, do they value uh, certi- certificates, certifications? I don't know why I just changed that word. Uh, and then also the companies that you're going for, if you're, if for some reason you're, you just have one or two or just a handful of companies that you die hard want to work for, and you've reached out to them and you know that the people there don't really care about certifications, then, you know, you know, to, to skip that step, but that's definitely something to consider. Yeah. Uh, you know, a lot of time and effort goes into getting a certification. So you want to make sure that that time and effort counts. Right. Yep. Get, get every dollar spent. <laughs> get every dollar spent. And speaking of showing uh, a show, what you show me what you got industry. Uh, you know, if you're in that scenario where it's coding or even in IT, I think home labs are, are another way to kind of, you know, show that experience. It's not, again, it's not professional experience, but it, it shows a couple of things. One, it is experience. Setting these things up is a very relatable uh, skill to some of the enterprise level equipment that you're going to encounter. Um, or enterprise level um, situations with software development. And I'll speak on that in a second. But second, it, it just goes more to uh, this is you know who you are. This is a part of your DNA. Uh, you're standing out a little bit more than, than other people. Uh, you know, recently I've, I've started working with a young uh, individual who uh, always tinkering around, always you know, uh, labbing, always working on different things. And I just know, you know, this person is really about tech, really about IT. It's in their culture and it's in their, you know, the vocabulary and things like that. So when it comes to home labs, I think that that's a great way to kind of close the experience gap. Uh, you can use uh, virtual machines or, or VPN servers, um, sorry, VM servers uh, for software development projects. Uh, even if you are into uh, coding and software engineering, uh, you may want to develop a series of virtual machines that have the specific dependencies and 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 TCP you know rules in play and and all the other things that you need in that environment for the specific build you're working on. And then when you switch gears and work on something else, you can just load up another uh, VM. So you may want a, a VM server for something like that, or you might want to use a, a NAS for practicing storage management. And, and getting all of your drives and all of your information in the household from multiple machines in a, in a central uh, repository with a, maybe a mirror or a RAID, uh, RAID 5 or some other form of internal backup scheme in play. And now you get a little bit of uh, uh, storage management, a little bit of, of data management, a little bit of, of drive security, network security, as well as other uh, networking uh, concepts in play. So having those labs set up and demonstrating or putting some sort of uh, presence out there on LinkedIn or social media with tweets and pictures and documenting these things can help help you stand out and help sell the case to a hiring manager like me that you have just enough experience for the role. No, that that was very detailed. I, uh, <laughs> I mean, when you, especially when you start talking about RAID, um, you get into the different RAID configurations. And for anyone out there who this is new to them. Again, we're talking about how to get a tech job, minimal um, IT experience. And so RAID might be going over your head and NAS, a SAN, all of that. So if you're thinking about how to build a home lab, 
I, I was in the exact same spot. I wanted to have my own home lab set up, you know, virtual configuration and didn't even know where to get started. And so as you were speaking, I was trying to look up my saved bookmarks. There's uh, several resources out there online. There's a whole article called Build Your Own Lab. That's from cyberstudents.org. Uh, from Cover Six Solutions, he has a whole page called Home Lab Setup, Building an Effective Cybersecurity Learning Environment. Uh, it looks like I have another one saved from, sorry, I was trying to pull all these up, uh, Alien Vault, Building Malware Home Lab. Uh, and I remember, I don't think, I don't know if I have that one saved, but there was also a whole playlist on YouTube that I'd saved that just went through, walked through how to building, how to set up a home lab. So if you hear, if the phrase home lab just, sends chills up your spine because you just are thinking, I don't even know how to get started with that. What does that mean? What equipment do I need? What do I have to download? Just check out those uh, links that I just mentioned, maybe rewind that a minute or a few seconds, and then just go on YouTube and look for playlists. There are playlists on there, how to set that up. So it's not as scary as it sounds at all. Not even close. If anything, it's fun. If anything, it becomes expensive as you start to... (laughs) I need to get this. I need to get that. And you start running to Micro Center and you start ordering from Amazon. Oh, yeah. An addiction will develop. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. So if anything, it's the opposite of scary. It's too much fun, um, you know, getting into these machines and setting up uh, little uh, racks and things like that. Yeah. And also the other thing with home labs are, you know, as you kind of, especially for the certification crowd, as you get into an A plus or net plus or security plus or, or CCNA, certification track speaking from experience again you know when i started to study for some of those certifications a lot of the chapters and i'm reading the book i'm thinking i've done that i did that i put linux on this laptop because windows Mm -hmm. vista wasn't working i did that i did Mm -hmm. that and i'm just like okay so that was what i did i'm now i'm reading what i did but i did it and because i had that experience my confidence was much more higher than someone else going through that uh, certification path and my understanding. And like you mentioned in, in an earlier podcast, uh, I was able to ask more uh, profound, deeper questions. Exactly. And the you saying experience, that is experience. I think a lot of times when we think of the, the word experience, we think of what specific job or role have you had at a company or organization where you can say, I hands-on dealt with this other company's computer systems. But if you have a home lab set up and you can clearly explain in a technical interview or through a phone screen, what you did to set that lab up and all the different things you've done with that lab, that's experience. That is hands-on experience right there. It was in your own bedroom or your own office. But if you took the time to really fall down that rabbit hole and and really get into setting up some cool stuff and you present it with passion, they're going to love that. That, that's experience right there. Those are the kind of people that you want to hire, people that have the passion and the care enough to do that at home on their own time. You know, experience, you know, it, it, that's a great point. It doesn't have to be uh, someone paying you to show up, you know, nine to five, uh, Monday to Friday. It right. can come in other forms. And one of the forms uh, for me was, you know, kind of driving around Atlanta and doing all these little odd little, you know, clean the computer of viruses here and set up a router there and make a website here. And that, again, that helped impacted my ability to perform on some of these exams because I was relying on that history. You know, I would say look into maybe, uh, I don't know, Craigslist or 
maybe not Craigslist, but yeah, I was like, uh, I don't know. <laughs> Beware. <laughs> but a lot of a lot of churches, um, sometimes schools, but typically churches, uh, small businesses, mm-hmm. uh, they have nonprofits, tech, nonprofits, they yeah. have tech needs that are just under hiring someone full-time but a little bit more than what they can do now and a perfect opportunity for you to come in for a quick 10, 20 hours. You may or may not work out some sort of a fiscal arrangement, but you're going to get an example. And that is now officially professional experience because you're doing it in a business environment. Right. Now that's perfect. Anytime you can get, uh, get on with some experience with an organization that is smaller, that need that has a, a very obvious stated need and you can come right in and be their savior perfect that's the perfect opportunity uh, right there it, it is uh, uh two quick stories i remember one time i had a job where i was selling uh computers basically and a guy came up to me and he asked me to stop by his accounting office and so i stopped by the accounting office because they had a, an issue and the issue was they were trying to set up basically a domain, set up a, a whole a whole new office basically for some new workers. And and I'm thinking to myself, but I just sell computers. Why you couldn't find anyone? And then I started and I started to have those moments and I started to realize, you know, people look at tech tech problem solvers, tech support people or people that's into tech, they look at them almost like as they look at us almost like Pokemon. Meaning I found one. Good. Bring it back to the office. He can he can set up the router. Oh, yeah. Can he fix the printer too? Awesome. Bring right. him back. Bring him back. You know? Right. So I started to have those moments. And I would just say, who me? You know, I have like zero quality. Okay. You want to pay me? Let's go. Let's go. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, they see you as a problem solver. That's really what it is. You're solving a problem that just happens to involve technology. And either I don't want to handle it myself or I can't handle it myself. I don't have time. Can you do it faster than I can? Okay, let's negotiate on pay and then have at it. Exactly. Ebony, this has been a great discussion. Thank you for stopping by again and adding a tremendous value to uh, to the podcast. Uh, any takeaways, any, any points? Uh, well, first of all, thanks for having me. Uh, I think, again, I, I really like the uh, takeaway we came to as far as the experience right there at the end. I completely forgot. Yeah. Home lab is an experience. Experience at a small organization is an experience. Uh, this has been great. I've really enjoyed it. Thanks again for having me. Awesome. And thank you for all that are downloading this podcast. And we continue to bring content that will help you find a way to thrive in this world of tech and transform your life for the better. Take care and have a great day. Thank you to Ebony Nienya from Cybersecurity Resources for Women.com. If you are a woman looking to get into the cybersecurity field, check out Cybersecurity Resources for Women.com. This is where you'll get educational resources and career guidance to help you enter, remain, and grow in the thriving and opportunity rich cybersecurity industry. I appreciate you checking out Tech or Die. Help us help you help someone else. Share this episode with that one person you know that's trying their hardest to change their life by getting into the field of tech.